you know, as people of faith, we often grow really comfortable in where we are and how we do things. And we sometimes get pushed out of that. And I think 2020 has pushed us out of our comfort and asked us to think differently and reimagine and just have a new vision for what the church can be and then what theological education could look like. Welcome to Baptist Without an Adjective, a podcast of Word and Way. I'm your host, Word and Way editor and president, Brian Kaler. On this program, we'll hear from Baptists from across the denominational, ethnic, national, and ideological lines that too often divide us. At Word and Way, we've been informing and inspiring Baptists since 1896. Learn more about us at wordandway.org. This episode is sponsored in part by the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. The Cooperative Baptist Fellowship has valued theological education as a vital component of vocational ministry preparation for more than 25 years. It puts these words to action by investing in students who are current and future ministry leaders in CBF Life. The fellowship awards up to 70 scholarships annually to Baptist students enrolled in the Master of Divinity degree program at an accredited institution of higher education. For more information about all that CBF offers students, visit cbf.net slash seminary resources. In this episode, we're going to have a conversation with Pamela Durso. She's the new president of Central Baptist Theological Seminary. She started in June of 2020 in the middle of a pandemic, as she'll be talking about in the interview, and is being officially inaugurated today, January 7th, 2021. We had a chance to speak together online late in December, and it was great to have a chance to interview her again, particularly in this new role. She was on the program way back in episode 61, but as we'll mention, that was with a previous position. So I hope you enjoy this opportunity to hear from the leader of Central Baptist Theological Seminary, which is just doing some important work in theological education and thinking about that in a new way. And in many ways, that future has suddenly arrived a lot quicker than we all expected. So here's my conversation with Pamela Durso of Central Baptist Theological Seminary. So first of all, Pam, thanks for joining us on the program. Well, thank you for inviting me, Brian. I know that this has been an odd and difficult year for many people. And so, first of all, just how are you doing personally during this year of coronavirus? Oh, um, well, I, I look back at this year on March the 2nd, the Board of Trustees of Central named me as the next president publicly. And then a few days later, the World Health Organization declared a global pandemic. So my entire year and my entire presidency really at Central has been overshadowed by COVID-19. And honestly, that's been rather challenging. My husband and I had to sell a house and buy a house. And so we put our house on the market in Lawrenceville, Georgia, and had strangers come into our house. And so, you know, I spent much of May wiping down surfaces and um, Lysawing all the things. And then we came and bought a house uh, here in Shawnee, Kansas, and chose not to get on an airplane at that point. In I think that was in March, and it was still a little early in the the whole season of COVID, so we didn't know how safe that would be. So we drove from Georgia to Kansas for 14 hours, and that was crazy. Uh, we did it one day, and got to the hotel, and again I sprayed everything down with Lysol and 
wiped all the surfaces and the fumes were so bad in a small hotel room that my husband couldn't breathe, which made me wonder, you know, does he have COVID or have I killed him with toxic fumes? So that moving, I would never suggest that someone move in the midst of a pandemic. I will never do that again. So that, that was, it was challenging. Just the anxiety of moving was really challenging. But I think the hardest part really was driving away from Georgia and leaving our young adult son in Georgia. Georgia at that point had massive outbreaks of the virus and there wasn't good leadership in the state. And it caused me all kinds of worry to leave him behind in a place I didn't know if he would be safe and I couldn't get to him quickly. The good news is um, both our children are now in Kansas. Our daughter came in July just to stay a few weeks, you know, until the pandemic was over. She's go back to her home in McLean, Virginia, and she's still with us. So she's been here uh, for a good number of months now working remotely for Capital One from our basement. And Michael came from Georgia right before Thanksgiving. So he's going to stay here in Kansas. So I have both my children with me and that's been really good to have them at home. You know, the pandemic has odd gifts to give us. And I guess bringing families together is it's one of those interesting gifts. For me personally, you know, I think just as is true with everyone, I've grieved over the loss of, of being with people and getting to know the central community in some ways has been really difficult without the face-to-face -face meetings. But I have met more people in the last six months than I would have met otherwise. I think I met like a hundred people the first three months because I Zoomed with so many alumni and friends and the faculty and staff. So I spent all my time on Zoom looking at the screens, but I had conversations with more people than I could have otherwise. I didn't have to do all the travel. I could sit in the comfort of my own office and um, talk to those who graduated from Central many years ago. And so in some ways that was a gift. But I, I have missed being able you know, to shake hands and hug and sit with people. That's been a, a great loss because I'm a, I'm a hugger. So I have regretted that part of, of the virus very much. Well, our longtime listeners should probably recognize you. We actually had you back on episode 61 back in March of 2019, back when we could still meet in person. We did that interview in person. <laughs> at, Third Baptist Church in St. Louis. We found a little empty room there and, and had that interview. And you were at a different job then, as you've kind of already alluded to. You were then president of Baptist Women in Ministry, and now you are president of Central Baptist Theological Seminary in Shawnee, Kansas. So first of all, congrats on your new role. I know you officially started in June, but uh, congrats on the new role. And then for those who may not be familiar with Central, I wonder if you can tell us about the school. Sure. Yeah, it has been a, a transitional year for me and moving into a, a new job has been a lot of fun. And I have learned so much about Central, mainly by listening to a good number of the faculty. And also I have, as a historian, I pulled all the old dusty books off the shelf about Central and read some of them. So I feel like I'm learning this community. Central will celebrate its 120th anniversary next year. So it's a, a seminary that has been around for a good long time. And when it was founded in 1901, the charter of the school said that the school was intended for the education and training of ministers of the gospel, missionaries, teachers, and leaders. And so the mission of Central has been well-grounded now for nearly 120 years. That has not changed at all. 
there are a lot of things that have changed. In 1941, the name changed. Central used to be Kansas City Theological Seminary, and in 1941 became Central Baptist Theological Seminary. And then, of course, as most of our alumni know, we moved from the old campus in Kansas City back in 2006 out to Shawnee uh, and bought land here and have a, a new building that is a beautiful campus. So if, if you're ever in Shawnee, you need to come see us. It's a beautiful place to be. I think the, the heart of the learning that has happened at Central has remained the same, but there has been a movement in the last 10, 15 years toward preparing ministers who are ready for service, who have practical skills and expertise. And so shaping our students and forming them to be ready for, for ministry and leadership has become a strong goal at Central. And so I think that's part of who we are, giving good teaching in the classroom around skills and the entrepreneurial spirit has been part of what Central has done. We've also changed modes of delivery at Central. There's no longer all classroom sitting, listening to lectures. Instead, Central has moved mostly to a virtual learning experience. We have been doing that for several years now. It's not a new thing for Central to have online classes, but the adoption of Zoom happened for Central long before the pandemic. And so most of our English language students learn virtually and attend classes on Zoom. Our Korean language program, many of those are hybrid programs where some of their time is in the classroom and some of their time is online. But Central has been accredited by ATS to do a fully online MDiv since 2016. So that's part of our reality and um, makes us different some, than other schools in some ways, but not as different now in 2020 because most schools have learned to do online learning this year. Demographically, our student population is 70% or so Asian. So our students come, many of them from South Korea, some from Myanmar. We have this false term, we've had 418 students enrolled, 143 of those in certificate or diploma programs, and 275 in our degree programs. So we have a, a strong student population that um, really are spread throughout the country because Central has 12 different locations. We are no longer one building in one city. We are all over the United States and even around the world. And so we have those 12 different locations with Shawnee being kind of our hub where the administration of Central happens. But then we also have two international sites. We partner with MIT, Miramar Institute of Theology, and have a Doctor of Ministry program with them. And this fall, we started a Doctor of Ministry at Calvin University in South Korea. And so we have those two different international partners that we work with and have students around the world as a result. Um, John Parks is the director of our Doctor of Ministry program. And they have 15 students in the DMIN program at Calvin this term. They, they just started, this is, I think they're in their second class for the, that DMIN program. And he is teaching classes in the middle of the night in order to be in the same times, you know, to, because of time zone differences with the students. So I have learned very quickly that Central is a seminary that never sleeps. <laughs> classes happen day and night and work happens here all the time. So that's just a little bit about the seminary, some of the, the major points 
that might be interesting to people. Yeah, you mentioned as as a historian checking out the history of the school and we're our institutions are only five years apart. We're in a ways only five years older than, than Central is. But I was curious, what was, was there an, int- I'm sure there was many interesting, but what was maybe like one interesting nugget that you learned that you thought, wow, this was really fascinating that you didn't know as you were learning about the history of Central? Sure. Well, I discovered really quickly that there was not just a single person who had this dream of Central. There there were some Baptist men who were leaders who came together with ideas, dreaming of a, a seminary in the Kansas City area. But there was a woman who provided a good bit of the funding in those early days, Jonah Lovelace. So she uh, used money that she had inherited from her first husband and helped to fund those early years of Central and then later gave some land. So I, I love the fact that Central, from the very beginning, has involved the leadership of women and men coming together with this vision of providing training for for ministers and students. Yeah, that's you know sometimes you find those interesting rich threads that, that go through a school's history that almost kind of foreshadow where it might be in the future. You know, obviously, as you've kind of already noted, this has been an, a very unusual time for higher education with the pandemic. And in some ways, Central did already have an advantage that you all were already doing online classes and even had a, an online program completely. Uh, but I wonder what what has the impact been, you know, different than what you were anticipating the year being when you were announced as the new president back just before the pandemic erupted? Well, I, what I learned as soon as I arrived is that because of this long-term commitment to invest in technology and to train faculty and to prepare students to learn virtually, there wasn't much of a jump when it came to having to close our building physically. Uh, you know, learning went on. And while our hybrid classes had to move completely online, there, there it was pretty seamless. And, and to me, that really points to some forward thinking on the part of the faculty, not knowing, you know, that a pandemic was coming, but preparing for what they saw would be coming in the future of online learning in in ways that were intended to connect students to one another and to their professors. So I've been, I was amazed that there wasn't, I saw it happening in other schools, just that kind of panic and anxiety about moving online. And I didn't sense that when I got here. It was, you know, this is what we've always been doing. We'll, we'll continue in this trend, continue to look at ways to make it better. So that, to me, that was a big relief that we didn't have to, I didn't have to step into something that was anxious about just how to do this. They were already talking about how can we do this better by the time I got here. I also, when I walked into the school, I realized that Central had already started teaching students. We have a media class that teaches students how to be creative in their use of media in their ministries. The worship class, part of the requirement is that students plan a virtual worship experience. And so I I looked around at students and recent graduates of Central who knew how to do this already, and they began to coach and mentor their friends who were ministers and calm them down and encourage them. And so I saw this gift of sharing that happened as a result of what they'd learned in class. And I think, you know, that's a really unexpected gift that 
your graduates will suddenly become encouragers and leaders in their field because of what happened for them in the classroom. So that was a really positive outcome for me in as I came into Central. I would say the, the hard place for us is that because our faculty are not here on campus and some of our staff are not here, we don't have hallway conversations. Those kind of, you know, bypassing discussions that just kind of pop up out of which come really good ideas, those have to, to be more intentional. And sometimes that doesn't happen because we're not we're not all in the same place. But we've managed to do, we did our commencement online in May. We had a virtual convocation in August, and we're about to have a presidential inauguration that's totally virtual in January. So we've we've learned how to do this. You know, they were none of those are perfect, and the inauguration will not be kind of the perfect inauguration. But I think we've learned to make the best of what we have and to think about creative ways to do things that still give meaning and depth and invitation to those who want to be a part. So it's it's such a learning experience of helping me to think outside the box. I didn't get to come into the comfort of, oh, this is the way it's always been, and I can just learn that. It's been learning. We've got to think in new ways how to do major events and how to have meetings and how to connect with the board. How do we do that in 2020? So I think in some ways, as is true of many people, a lot of the things we've learned, we're going to hang on to and will impact the way we do work here at Central into the future. Well, you mentioned inauguration, which will be January 7th. Yes. So I wanted to give a, a shout out to that. People can watch on what Facebook Live as you are officially inaugurated. Yes. As as the next as the 11th president of Central Seminary. And so and I guess that you all are going to figure out how to do this virtual presidential inauguration and then pass all your notes on to Joe Biden because, you know, he's going to be doing the same <laughs> yes. thing, right? So, you know, you're... I'm sure he'll be calling us any day now. Yeah, that's right. I'm sure. We'll, we'll see if we can get him connected. So, you know, watch Central and, and, and learn how to do it two weeks later. So, yeah, it's... Uh, I'm sure it's not the inauguration that, that you would have planned, but this is the time in which we live. Well, the, the beauty for me in this is that We've already filmed our inauguration, so it's already put together. You know, what is this, two weeks out? But because we did it virtually and received videos from different people, we have people from all over the world participating in my inauguration that would not have come or been able to travel in the best of, of times. And so I love that it brings all of these voices from Central, from around the world, to this one moment in Central's history. And so in some ways, that's a gift. And it's it's going to be interesting to watch it all put together and see how that comes out. So I'm eager to see what can be done with little videotapes and how that's crafted into a service that has meaning and significance. Well, very good. Well, I will I will be joining you there in the virtual world watching it. So look okay. forward to that. You've kind of hinted at this a little bit of the answer for my next question that I had for you, but I, I want to see if maybe there's more here because. You all are training ministers, and one of the things that I have heard from multiple pastors, in fact, it's been in multiple episodes of our podcast when interviewing a pastor over the last few months, they'll make a comment about how 
they weren't taught in seminary how to pastor during a pandemic. I've, I've had multiple pastors make that that comment. And so here you are, you're a seminarian, you're teaching ministers today. And so I wonder if if there are, are lessons that you all are working to help your ministers, many of many of your students are are practitioners currently, mm-hmm. not just future ministers. They are, you know, in local church settings. So what are some of the ways that you're preparing students to minister in this new world, pandemic or otherwise? I think what what I believe is that we um, are experiencing kind of the acceleration of questions that we might have been asking in five to 10 years, but those questions are now. So helping our students to ask the questions that will help them determine how to minister in this moment, but then also minister post-COVID and hope that will be very soon. But good questions like, how can we create worship space virtually that includes and is meaningful? How can we do that in ways that are authentic? So creating worship in different ways, I don't think that's going to change. We're not going to let go completely of the things that we have learned about worship and worshiping together, whether we are in person or through some kind of online presence. Can we connect to those during this season, those who've walked away from the church, walked away from faith, and yet in this season of great anxiety and grief, need a community? And how can the church reach out to those? And actually, online worship is a lot less threatening maybe than walking through the doors of a church building. And so doing that kind of outreach to those who are in need of a faith community, but haven't been able to do that in person. So asking that kind of question, how can we appeal to those and to be at the kind of community that they're needing? Um, I think we've all been asking the questions the last few years about financial sustainability of churches. And we've had to ask that in in different kinds of way. Can churches survive financially if they don't have in-person gatherings? Will people continue to give and to support? And then the question of what do we do with these buildings? They don't seem nearly quite as important as they did last year. Maybe we don't need to use them in the same way. So I think helping students to ask good questions as they see the changes that are happening very quickly every day around us. And I think for me, that always comes back to one question. You know, where do we see God at work among us now? And where do we think God will be leading us as we move into the future? And I think that's, you know, that's always the question you ask in seminary, isn't it? about where do you see God and how do you experience God and how can you lead people in that experience with God, no matter what the circumstance. So I think those questions have have been much more uh, pressing in 2020 than perhaps they were for us previously. And helping students just ask better questions and think about the questions, to me, that's a basic part of good seminary learning. Yes, I was going to ask you, uh, where do you see the future of theological education? Which, as you just noted, seminaries should be asking these questions of where is God at work? Where might God be at work five years from now? And you've already talked about the fact that Central has has really been pioneering in in many ways a different way of doing theological education for years pre-pandemic. But I wonder if you have some 
some guesses, some thoughts of of where that kind of continual evolution for the school might might take you in the next few years? Well, you know, Brian, I am a historian, so I'm really comfortable wearing a historian's hat <laughs> and looking at what has been and what has happened. Um, the whole putting on a prophet hat and foretelling the future is not nearly as comfortable for me. Right, well, it's just but between you and me and everybody who's listening. Just you know, we won't hold you to this. Uh, <laughs> And the other part I would say is, you know, coming into Central, as I was in the conversations with the search committee, I had some ideas of this. This is the future of theological education, which a pandemic shifted all of those. So some of that future thinking um, that I was doing before now, I look back and think, oh, my, that was very naive uh, to think that that would happen, given the situation of, you know, an economic downturn, a global pandemic, this season of um, racial reckoning that we've experienced as a nation. So, I, I, but it, this is the question that keeps me up at night. Where, what are, what is our future as a school? What is the future of theological education? And during our inauguration week, Frank Yamada, the executive director of the Association of Theological Schools, is going to be our lecturer and talk about the futures of theological education. But in his writing, he talked about this period of time in theological education as the new era of vulnerability. And I think he described it really well. If you look around seminaries and schools of theology in the last 10 years, many of them have closed. Others have joined together and merged. Student populations have plummeted. It's been a really difficult season for all schools financially. And so you take that piece of how challenging theological education is in 2020, and you look at the way our religious landscape is changing with churches also closing their doors or declining in membership and struggling financially. So, you know, asking the question about how do we adapt? How do we look into the future and seek to be the kind of place that trains students who are always reimagining and thinking about possibilities and opportunities. You know, as people of faith, we often grow really comfortable in where we are and how we do things. And we sometimes get pushed out of that. And I think 2020 has pushed us out of our comfort and asked us to think differently and reimagine and just have a new vision for what the church can be and then what theological education could look like and conveying that to students of always being ready for change, always being open to a new possibility, looking for opportunities where God is at work. I think that to me is theological education is going to always have to stand in that place of discomfort, looking to what is next instead of you know, being what we were or wishing we could go back to the past, we always have to stand at that moment of looking forward with openness. And my reading and listening to Central friends and supporters tells me that Central has been in that kind of place for a good long time, always looking for opportunity. Um, The stories I've heard about the Korean language program It was a possibility that walked through the door. It wasn't a part of a strategic plan. It wasn't something that the faculty set and thought through. 
but a person came through the door and said, I think you need a Korean language program and I can help you. And central leadership said, yes, we can do this. And so we built a Korean language program that exploded our student population and pushed us to truly be a cross-cultural institution. And we're still learning how to live into that, but it was an opportunity that Central embraced. And then last year, the same kind of opportunity walked through the door with a counseling program. In January, Central began to offer a Master of Arts in Counseling because someone walked in the door and said, I think this is what you need. And after lots of conversation and investigation and good thought, Central built that. And you think about where we are in our nation and in life, the need of good mental health services and professionally trained counselors has never been greater. And so Central will be graduating counselors who are ready to serve those most in need in communities that don't have counseling availability, but also in churches that need good counselors who faith-based, professionally trained kind of counselors. So I think Central stands in that place that, that I think all schools of theology are going to have to stand, openness to see possibility and to reimagine. But it means letting go of, of things that have been treasured and valued and looking forward always. And sometimes, especially as Baptists, that's hard for us to do. But um, I think Central has that track record. And I look forward to kind of dreaming and looking at possibilities with all of the people here at Central into the future. I know it's only been a few months so far. You've made it through one whole semester. But has has there been some some things that you've learned already during this time that perhaps you didn't expect? And I, particularly like non-pandemic wise, has there been a, a surprise that you're like, I didn't expect this either at Central or in Kansas or however you want to you want to think about that question over these last several months. Well, I I look at the beautiful diversity of Central, and that's one of the things that drew the, me to Central and has attracted me for a long time. My children were born in South Korea, and my husband and I adopted them when they were babies. And so, having this large Korean community that's affiliated with Central was really important to me. And while I knew that diversity is a great value in my life, I've learned here, since I've been here, how difficult that is to fully integrate different cultures. There are language barriers, there are cultural differences, and to truly see each other as sisters and brothers in Christ and share leadership together. It's a journey that we are still figuring out. I think that we, across our Christian world, are still figuring that out as well. But how messy that can be sometimes. Um, and yet, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful reflection of the kingdom of God that is certainly worth risking discomfort and unease when there are differences that are not easily solved always. So I've, I've learned that, you know, part of what makes Central so beautiful is also what makes it hard at times to learn together and to live together and to value each other fully takes a lot of intentionality and work, but I believe it's really worth it. So that's that's been one learning thing that I have experienced, a, a lesson, if you will, that I have learned in this six months that I've been doing this. Well, 
thank you, Pam, for your time and for the ways that Word Away and, and Central over the, the past have been able to work together and look forward to continuing that as you continue to find your way and, and provide even more leadership there to the school. I've enjoyed the opportunity to travel to Cuba with one of your classes and professors a couple of years ago and have interviewed a, a number of, of leadership there, I've been on the, the newer campus, which is a very nice campus, as you mentioned earlier in the interview. For those who haven't been there, they're in the Shawnee area to go by and check it out. I was one time I visited the old campus back when I was in college. So I, it is a very nice campus that you have there in Shawnee. And, you know, we appreciate the, the joint leadership that we have. Uh, Francisco, one of your vice presidents, is on our board at Word and Way. And so I look forward to many more ways of partnering with you. Congratulations again on starting as president and with your inauguration coming up on January 7th. Well, thank you, Brian. I appreciate your taking time to have this conversation with me and look forward to all the ways we can work together in the future. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Baptist Without an Adjective. You can learn more about Central Baptist Theological Seminary at cbts.edu. As always, you'll find us at wordandway.org. And don't forget to check out our sponsoring partner for this week's episode, the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship at cbf.net. If you've enjoyed this episode, I hope that you will share it with your friends on Facebook and head over to iTunes or your favorite podcast platform and write a positive review to help more people to find the show. It really does help. You can find easy-to-share links at podcast.wordandway.org. If you'd like to give to support this program, we'd greatly appreciate it. And all you have to do at wordandway.org is hit the Donate button. And whatever you give there will help support the production of this podcast, as well as our website and monthly magazine. And speaking of our magazine, if you're not a subscriber, I have a special offer for you. Just go to tinyurl.com slash wwoffer to get half off your first year. If you have any comments or feedback about the program, you can send those to me at bkaler at wordandway.org. Thanks for listening.